And our first speaker tonight, competing with the air conditioner, will be Tom Lang, who's a science communicator and comedian, who's done shows in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and Fringe Festival. In his spare time, he collects board games and doomsday scenarios. Tom. All right. Um, oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, good. So I'm going to start with something pretty light. Uh, atomic warfare. <laughs> and we'll see where we go. Uh, you, a lot of you have probably heard of Edward Teller. Um, I don't know whether you consider him a villain or a good guy. He is known often as the father of the hydrogen bomb, which is a pretty good line in any villain's resume. Uh, and he certainly looked the part. He had this creepy Hungarian accent. He had great big bushy eyebrows, big jowls. He was like an Eastern European Richard Nixon. But that's all very superficial, okay? Because, you know, he, he had good intentions, just bad inventions. He was born in Hungary in 1908, which was a bad place to be if you're from a wealthy Jewish family, okay? They got out uh, in 1926, okay? But by then, he developed this real deep-seated loathing of both communism and fascism, which would serve him well in his future jobs. And very understandably, because the communists and the fascists, we can agree, were both kind of bad people back then. Uh, he made it to Germany, a great place to be, uh, at that time, and he studied his PhD in physics under Werner Heisenberg, uh, who he became buddies with. They played a lot of ping pong, apparently. Uh, apparently, Teller usually won, and I just love the mental image of Heisenberg losing at ping pong. Ah, <laughs> oh, this game is bullshit. The balls are so small, I can't figure out the position and velocity at the same time. <laughs> uh, so, in 1936, when things were getting quite nasty, he fled, made it to America. Okay, so Teller ended up being America and being in America. And as a physics genius at that time, he was headhunted for the big one, the Manhattan Project. And let me tell you, if you were a physicist in the 40s and you weren't building nukes, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Oppenheimer hooked him in, put him to work uh, building the atom bomb. Now, it didn't really go so well, that's the thing, because Teller wasn't really a people person. He didn't really get along with a lot of the other guys. He was passed over for the director of the theoretical division, and it kind of just made him cranky. They were like, Teller, calculate some stuff, and he was just like, no, I'm going to do my own thing over here about other stuff that we're not worried about yet, but that will come back later. Um, and so they had to fill in, get some other scientists, some of them were Soviet spies. Basically, he set the whole thing back quite a bit. But I'm going to skip over the whole Manhattan Project. They finished it. We know. The rest is history. Uh, Oppenheimer had some really great quotes. Uh, you know, now I am become death, destroyer of worlds. Uh, now we are all sons of bitches. Uh, the physicists have known sin, and it is... Uh, hang on, I have the exact quote. Quotes are hard. The physicists have known sin, and this is a knowledge they cannot lose. Oppenheimer was great with quotes. He'd like us to believe he just pulled the Sanskrit just off the top of his head, but I bet he prepared them in advance. Uh, and everybody, you know, they just helped build this thing that had killed hundreds of thousands of people, okay? This was a horrible thing, maybe even one of the most horrible things to ever happen. And all the physicists were like, we can't, we can't let this happen again. We regret it happening the first time. This was awful. Let's, let's not do this again. Teller disagreed. Teller could have thought they could have done it bigger. Like, 
Fission? <laughs> fission. Anyone can do fission. You get a big element, you make it into a smaller element somewhere you hate. <laughs> Teller was all about fusion, where you get two very small elements, make them, make them into a slightly larger element somewhere you really hate. Uh, and so, look, that wasn't popular at the time. Oppenheimer was quite anti the, uh, the fusion bomb for moral reasons and for technical reasons. Teller's design just didn't really work that well. It wasn't a great design. It was probably not even a functional design, and Oppenheimer told him that. He said, um, I wish the Russians were using this design of yours because it would slow them down. <laughs> yeah, they weren't friends. Uh, in the 50s, Teller testified against Oppenheimer in the communist hearings, um, which really was a turning point. Uh, he didn't exactly say, yeah, this guy's a communist. His words were, and I'll do my best Eastern European Richard Nixon impersonation. I would like to see the vital interest, no, I'm doing it awfully. The vital interest of this country in hands which I understand better and trust more. Okay, which is like, I don't really trust this guy. Oppenheimer lost all his government positions around that time. Teller lost most of his friends. Uh, because that was a real betrayal to a guy who was a big deal in science, you know, the father of the bomb. Uh, Teller was in a bad place, but he did get some pretty sweet government gigs, and they worked out all the kinks in the H-bomb, and they went, great, let's use this thing. The problem is people weren't big on atomic warfare for some reason. Uh, they had to figure out a way to get people to stop worrying and love the bomb, which is actually a reference to a movie based on Teller's life. He was Dr. Strangelove. Um, and if you look at it, basically, yeah, they didn't even have to try very hard. They changed the fake foot to a fake arm, and you had yourself a movie. Uh, now, uh, this led to something called Operation Plowshare, and this is when the fun stuff starts, because they had to get people to like nuclear weapons, okay? And you can't do that by blowing up other people, because that's a bad thing to do. They had to use them for peaceful purposes. Civil construction, that kind of thing. Get people going, oh yeah, nuclear weapons, they're just a tool, like a bulldozer or a gun. It's fine. Uh, now, Project Plowshare didn't have any strong aims, didn't really have any like goals, it just wanted to blow things up. Just whatever they could find an excuse for. Tell his quote, uh, there are applications about which we can feel sure. Nuclear weapons. They boil down to a single fact. We can make a hole in the earth. If anybody wants to do that. <laughs> and if you want to make a hole in the earth, it's a damn good way to do it. Uh, one of their first tests was Project Sudan. Okay, they had a 104 kiloton bomb. They blew out 12 million tons of earth. Left a hole 400 meters wide, 100 meters deep in the middle of Nevada. Uh, they, they contaminated more Americans than any other nuclear test before, and everyone thought that was a great success. Uh, in one of the, the articles they wrote about it, actually, they accidentally messed up. They, it was Project Sudan, as in the car, but they spelt it Project Sudan, as in the country. <laughs> that made a bit of a little international hubbub until they got that one smoothed out. And then they went, great, that was fun. What else can we blow up? What else needs a big hole? The Panama Canal? That could be bigger. Ah, oh, no, hang on. Panamanians. Those damn Panamanians. Always in the way. What else can we blow up? We could make another Panama Canal in, like, um, what about Nicaragua? That's got Nicaraguans. Oh, how hard is it to blow something up? Okay, okay. We could drill for gas. Just put down a bomb near the gas site. It'll, like, 
Squeeze all the gas out. No, that'll make the gas radioactive. Can we sell that as a good thing? Probably not. Okay. Oh, I know. We'll just blow up that new thing we got. What's that thing called? That new thing. Alaska. <laughs> Let's just put a big hole in the side of Alaska. We can't call it a hole. We'll call it a port. So that was uh, Project Chariot, the project to build a, just blow a giant smoking port in a part of Alaska nobody really cared about that much. Uh, Teller was uh, one of the champions of this. He, he went around Alaska telling everybody how good this would be for the economy. You'll have like easy access to all this coal that's nearby beyond a few hundred miles of rugged mountainous terrain. Uh, you can fish all the fish that will be fine. You can fish them all. Uh, um, maybe we'll get some military knowledge out of it. Oh, that's not the point. Who cares about that? <laughs> uh, the locals weren't happy, okay. Uh, the local industries, like the people that lived a long way away were okay with it, but the indigenous locals that lived 30 miles from the proposed site were not big on it. Their main diet was, uh, they ate a lot of caribou, okay, and caribou eat a lot of lichen, and lichen eats a lot of fallout. And these guys already, <laughs> true, these guys already had a lot of strontium in them, like more than almost anybody else on the planet, just from previous nuclear tests, sort of up around the northern hemisphere getting in the lichen. They weren't big on this, okay? Teller and co were just straight up lying to them. They were saying things like, okay, so look, it's gonna cause maybe 200 miles of fallout, but fallout's never hurt anybody. The Japanese all got better. <laughs> like the ones that had the fallout. They were fine. Ah, the fish will be fine. You won't feel any seismic shocks. You'll be able to fish there again in like five months. Not a problem. It was shameless. It was shameless. But it was kind of heartening that these locals, these indigenous Alaskans, they lawyered up. They scientisted up. They fully castled these guys. They like, it was the vibe of the thing, you know? <laughs> They actually just talked him out of it. They made such a ruckus that everyone got on their side and Project Chariot was just kind of pushed to the side. It was never actually cancelled, come to think of it. I think it's still on the books. <laughs> but they pushed it to one side and the scientists went home um, just after leaving just a few samples of radioactive isotopes in one of the water sources just to see what would happen. Just to see the effects on the tundra environment of radioactive fallout, uh, which they didn't actually own up to for another 30 years. So wow, yeah, that's villainous. That's, that's really, really villainous. Um, but they, they dug it up 30 years later, so I guess, I guess that's nice. Uh, so anyway, let's get this light. Uh, <laughs> Teller by now uh, had moved on. Okay, Three Mile Island happened, and so that was a big problem for the nuclear industry. Teller uh, was on the side of Three Mile Island at that point, arguing against Jane Fonda, who said that you know, nuclear meltdowns are bad. Uh, he was 71 at that point, and the stress of arguing against Jane Fonda and the rest of the activists actually gave him a heart attack. Now, he got better, but uh, he actually had another great quote I'm gonna do. You might say I was the only one whose health was affected by the reactor near Harrisburg. <laughs> but no, that would be wrong. It was not the reactor, it was Jane Fonda. Reactors are not dangerous. <laughs> he really didn't think radiation was that big of a deal. 
And at almost no point in any of this Operation Plowshare stuff did the radiation really even come into it. They were just like, ah, the radiation, like, we'll blow these mountains up and we'll have trucks driving through there in like seven months. It'll be fine, right? He, he's quoted as saying things like, uh, a little bit of radiation, okay, maybe not so bad, maybe even good, you know? Because the body has natural cancer-fighting things in it. A little radiation can actually, like, stimulate them. It can help you fight cancer. Yeah. <laughs> so, Edward Teller, interesting guy, lonely guy. That's the thing, not a lot of friends, just scared communism, fascism, left the world a more dangerous, deadly place. But, um, like, he had good intentions for his bad inventions, and you could call him a villain, sure. You probably should, in fact. Um, but I don't know, like, I kind of understand the guy. And you look at the videos of him, you can find some really good videos of him. Just, just uh, being interviewed, telling his life story, and you kind of go, okay, you're a little crazy. And the, re the radiation thing is just nuts. But I kind of see where you're coming from. It was a different time. Hopefully nobody ends too many of these stories with it was a different time. <laughs> anyway, I've been Tom Lang. Thank you very much.